0: us to pray for our brothers and sisters. He wants us to, to lift each of us uh, up in our prayers, and, and he, he loves it when we, we come to him in, in, uh, in, uh, in prayer. Um, I want to start with just a story. I was reading this week about uh, this pastor who was, uh, he was a, a young pastor and um, he, was, uh, he was talking and he was, he was praying, and this young person came up to him and uh, I think he was a young person. And, and he, uh, he came up to his pastor and he said, Pastor, um, you believe in miracles, right? And he said, yeah, of course, I believe in that God works today, that there's miracles today. And this person came up to him and said, he said, uh, that's good because your prayers are lame. Your prayers are lame. And so, why do I share that story? God wants us to pray dangerous prayers. God wants us to pray dangerous prayers. Prayers that cause us to come boldly into his throne room. He wants us to pray dangerous prayers. And we're not talking about burgers and fries type of prayers. Dangerous prayers. And so, uh, Jesus prayed dangerous prayers. He talked to his disciples because they wanted to know what is a dangerous prayer? And a dangerous prayer is our Father who is art in heaven, who is in heaven, hallowed, holy be your name, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. A prayer that says your kingdom come, that's a dangerous prayer. That means that we have to get out of the way so his kingdom is displayed in our life. That is discipleship. That is us following his will. And so what do dangerous prayers look like? Dangerous prayers mean to come boldly when God commands us to come with our requests. It says in Hebrews 4.16 that we will receive mercy, we will find grace when we need it most. He says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, the throne of grace, and there we will receive His mercy, and we will find grace. Grace enabling power to help us in our time of need. And so, what is prayer? Prayer is knowing that we can find what what we need when we need it to accomplish the work that He places us in. We can all touch places where we none of us can touch. And so prayer causes us to come into God's presence and to seek him. What does it mean to be bold? What does that mean? It doesn't mean arrogance. It doesn't mean being proud. What it means is be persistent. It means keep coming back. It means don't set up an appointment. It means just just come into his presence. There's no reservations. There's no reservations. He wants you to be persistent. No, No matter how big or how small it is. It means no fancy words. You don't have to get all theological on, on God. It's just, God, please help me. Please help me. I need your help. I need your help for parenting. I need your help in my finances. I need your help in relationships. God, help me. And then five minutes later, God, I need your help again. It's persistent, it's persistent. It's also with confidence. Confidence that we know Him. An example is when I... uh, I'm going to skip that example. (laughs) It's a bad example. Uh, (laughs) The picture that we want to think about is that we know that God is all-powerful. There's a word for that, that He's omnipotent. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. But that's like who he is. But what he wants you to know is that he is a compassionate God, that he's a kind hearted God, that he is a gentle God. That's why we can come persistently. That's why he wants us to come persistently. Um, when I went on my first mission trip, I went to Peru. It was a great mission trip. The missionary that was leading it, Bill Pepper, he comes every now and then. And um, he said, Danny, I want you to, you know, he told all the traveling ministers who were coming. said, bring three sermons, bring three messages that God placed on your heart and be ready to preach. And so I was just like, okay, you know, I, I, this is my first mission trip. I don't know who these men are, but God is going to speak through me. And so I brought these three messages that, that I felt like God was wanting me to encourage them as they are in places where like, if you get bit by bugs, you can just die because there's no medical help. And so he, uh, he let us go to these different cities and then, um, and then we had more time. So he was like, "Um, okay, we're going to go to another city. And I was like, you know, this is me learning how to preach and not knowing how to follow the spirit and and uh, hearing his voice, and so I was like, oh, no, what am, everybody's heard what I, I've said. What do I do now? And, um, and so I, of course, I prayed about it. I, I had my Thompson Chain Bible, and, and the word that came, that came to me was, it, it was testimony. And me just being, like, so naive, I was just like, I, the Thompson Chain is like you could just search up a word and, and figure out what it means. And so I was searching. What is what is testimony? What do you mean by testimony? Oh, share my testimony. And so I'm sitting on the pew, right about to speak. And he says, Don't worry. And so I get up to speak, and I'm able to share, and that's when I realize that God meets you in the moment, and he reminds you of the words to say. And he gives you the power to reach hearts because he's the one leading the room. He's the one leading the room. Now, one of the ways to understand his mercy and his compassion, uh, this teacher, David Gusick, he was teaching on, what ancient Jewish rabbis taught back in the day. And what they thought was that God had two thrones. That God had one of mercy and one of judgment. And they they said this because they knew that God was both merciful and just. But they couldn't reconcile that he was both of these things, both of these attributes of God. And, and so they, they thought that perhaps God had two thrones to, to, to display his, 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 his attributes, his character. And so one throne was a throne of judgment, and the other throne was a throne of mercy. But like we took communion, what we realize today is through the finished work of Jesus, we find mercy and judgment reconciled into one word called God's grace. God's grace meets us. And so, dangerous prayers require us to know God. To know him. Does ever, did everybody hear about Kobe Bryant? How he passed away? I was a big uh, basketball, basketball fan. I still am. But I never liked Kobe because he always won. And, uh, but after a while, it just got to the point where you just had to respect him because he was so good. He was just such a good player and he studied and he worked hard and, and, he, and he was diligent. And he was talking to this commentator this one, one time. There's tons of clips online right now. But he was talking to uh, this commentator and this commentator said, you know, you, just, you had this one instance in your, in your life and how did you overcome this instance? And he it, and he responded to the, the commentator. He said, God is great. God is great. And, and the commentator kind of was just like, well, yeah, everybody knows that God is great. What, what does that mean to you? And he said, I just want to quote his words. He says, he says, didn't write write it down correctly. So I'm just going to paraphrase him. So basically what he said was that that, um, once you know that you can't pick up your own cross, that Jesus is the one who picks up your cross, because Jesus says, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. Once you realize that Jesus is the one who helps you carry your cross, you're able to rely and trust him. That's why God is great. That's why he knew that once you know that, then you know him. Then you know that every situation, whether it's death, somebody who may be passing away or you're, you're, you're expecting that person to pass away, you, you know you can trust in Jesus because Jesus already died and he's alive And we can trust and hope in him. And so, how do we know him? John 18, 14 through 18 says that I'm the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me. Even as the father knows me, I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not in this fold, but I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this is the reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down. And I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. Jesus knew that all things are possible with God. That it was God who called him. How do we know him? It describes this in Psalms 100 verse 3. It says, know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who made us, not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. We have to know that he is God. That he is God alone. And we're not. That he made us, male and female, two genders. He made us and his word is truth everything else is a lie but his word is what we what satisfies us and that we are sheep in his pasture what does it mean to know him Deuteronomy 4:35 says that we personally know him that He puts himself into our own words so that we understand that it is him who's leading us. I I remember when I first became a pastor, God spoke to my mind's eye and he said, just take it, just take this because I wanted to pursue this. And then I was wondering, how do I know that, that it's not just words in my mind, that it's not something that I just conjured up and he, and he brought me to Jeremiah 1, 5 through 10. He, he said, don't be afraid of their faces. I formed you in your mother's womb. I formed you. I created you. You didn't, you didn't create yourself. I did this. How do we know that he is speaking to us? We know this because when we accept Him as our Savior, the Holy Spirit joins Himself to our spirit. And He speaks to us. Did I read Deuteronomy 4.35? I think I need to read it. It says, To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord, He is God, that there is no other besides Him. Let's read this again. To you it was shown that you might know That the Lord, he is God. There is no other besides him. And so he speaks to us that we would know. That we would personally know. How do we come into his presence? Psalms 100 is about thanksgiving. It's about praising him. But it's also about singing our way into his presence. The message Bible says: Sing yourself into the presence of God. Know that the Lord Himself is God. There are a couple of examples of how we we come to God and ask for prayer that are dangerous prayers. But they're, they can be simple. It could be as simple as asking God for bread, asking God that he would bless us. It's okay because Jesus told the disciples to ask God for bread, to ask God for blessing that he would provide for us. He wants to bless us. One example that I wanted us to focus on is in 1 Samuel chapter 1. And this is a story of a woman who prayed a dangerous prayer. She prayed a dangerous prayer because she was a woman who was, couldn't have any children. And in her life, there was this woman that um, was in her life who was provoking, provoking her and causing her to feel bitter and like she was worth nothing. And so in this chapter, it talks about this man who had two wives and his favorite was this woman named Hannah. And so every year they would go to the, their city and they would go to temple and they would burn sacrifices to God. And so... What had happened was this, this husband would give one portion to his other wife, and his favorite wife, he would give a double portion. And obviously, that, that caused tension and, and drama in the family. And so, this one time, they go to Shiloh, and this other wife bitterly provokes her to a, a point where she is weeping, she can't eat. And she cries out to God in Shiloh and and she says, God, if you will just give me a child, I will dedicate this child to you all the days of his life. And um, what had happened was she was praying this in the temple and she was like closing her eyes and her, her her mouth was moving, but there were no words coming out of her mouth. And so this priest named Eli came over to her because he thought that she was drunk. And she was like, he was like, uh, Miss, you, you can't drink in church. You, you can't be drunk in church. And she said, no, 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 I'm not drunk. I'm crying out to my God. I'm crying out to him because I've been barren for so long and I want a child. And so he said, whoa, 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 whoa don't worry, I'm going to pray for you that your petitions are heard. Now fast forward a few years, she had this child and she decides when this child is ready that she goes to this temple to dedicate this boy. Now Eli doesn't remember her, but she's standing right in front of her, right in front of him. And so I'm going to read 1 Samuel 125 through 28 in the message. And so after they made this sacrifice, they brought this child to Eli. And Hannah said, excuse me, sir, would you believe that I'm this very woman who was standing before you at this very spot praying to God? I prayed for this child and God gave me what I asked for. And now I have dedicated him to God. He dedicated, he's dedicated to God for life. And so at that moment, they began to worship God together. Knowing God is learning to trust in him, learning to rely on him, Adhere our belief on Him, knowing that He is with us in every situation. Another example of how to uh, pursue God in in a not-so-good way, but this is important for us to see because even when we pray things that are not out of the right heart, God is still for us. Uh, There's a story in Matthew 20, verse 20. And this mother brings Jesus these two sons. And and she wants them to have a place in his kingdom. And so verse 20 says, The wife of Zebedee approached Jesus with her sons. Jacob, or in your Bible it says James and John. She knelt before him and asked him for favor. He said to her, what do you want? And she answered, make the decree that these, my son, she's twisting Jesus' arm now, make the decree, make it happen that my sons will rule with you in your kingdom, one sitting on your right hand and one on your left. And Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking for. You don't know what you're asking for. Then looking in the eyes of of James and John, Jesus said, Are you prepared to drink from the cup of suffering that I'm about to drink? And are you able to endure the baptism into death that I'm about to endure? And so they answered him, Yeah, Jesus, we are. And I want you to notice, What does Jesus do? Does he make them feel stupid? When he knows they're asking with the wrong heart, he says, you will indeed drink the cup of my suffering and be immersed in my death. They were wanting to be great in God's kingdom. And there's nothing wrong with being great as long as we understand what greatness is in God's kingdom and later in the chapter it talks about that, that that Jesus flips greatness on its head that in the kingdom the first shall be last and so Jesus he says but to be the ones who sit at the place of the highest honor is not mine to decide my father is the one who chooses them and prepares them Jesus didn't put down his he didn't put down his disciples even in their ambition to ask for something that they didn't understand, Jesus still came to them and said, I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe that you indeed will carry this cup. there were two other men who cried to Jesus. And this is is the example. That God wants us to come boldly to him. He wants us to know him as a shepherd and know who our Father is in heaven. Later in chapter 20, verse 29, it says, As Jesus and the disciples left the town of Jericho, a large crowd followed behind. And two blind men were sitting beside the road. And when they heard that Jesus was coming that way, they began shouting, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus is letting the kingdom of God be present on earth. This is what the Father wants. They said, Have mercy on us. The crowd said, Be quiet. But they only shouted louder, "Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us." And when Jesus heard them, he stopped and he called, "What do you want from me? To, what do you want me to do?" And they said, "Lord, they said, we want to see." Jesus felt compassion for them, and he touched their eyes, and instantly they could see, and then they followed Him. He wants us to come into His presence. Because he sympathizes with us. He understands our weaknesses. He understands that we can't do it. And he wants to help. He wants us to come boldly. Because he knows that we're weak. We need mercy to do the things that we can't. And grace to to accomplish the things we don't have the power to do. I want to end with this prayer that, that Paul preaches and it says Paul in, in Ephesians 3.14-19 in the message says my response is to get down on my knees before the Father this magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth and I ask him to strengthen you by his spirit not a brute strength but a glorious inner strength that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. And I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, that you'll be able to take it in with all followers, all followers of Jesus, the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love, reach out and experience the breath, test its lengths, plumb its, the depths, rise to the heights, live full lives, full in the fullness of God. He ends with, in verse 20, God can do anything. You know far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does this not by pushing us around, but by working within us. And his spirit deeply and gently works in us. He says, glory to God in the church, glory to God in the Messiah, in Jesus, glory down all the generations, glory through all millennia, oh yes. The enemy wants us to believe that God doesn't have time for us. I remember when, when my dad was working in the state. And on the rare occasions that I would go and I would uh, go bring him a coffee because I, I just love bringing him coffee. His door would be open. He'd let me just sit down. And even though I knew he was completely busy, he'd just sit down and just talk with me. And he'd be joyful that he's seeing me. And and I just, I knew that I needed to go because he was busy. But I just loved being there. And God loves it when you are with him. God loves it when you are persistent to not allow the enemy to, to minimize what God wants you to be, but He wants you to know that you are His child. When it says that we're joined with the Holy Spirit, we're no longer fearful slaves, we're children of God. And the enemy is so quick to remind us of, of how foolish we are or how stupid we are for just constantly going before God. And, and yes, Jesus said, don't, don't be repetitious. But he also wanted us to be persistent. I just remember when I was sitting on the pew in that, on that mission trip, I just kept saying, God, what do I do next? And he just said, testimony. What do I do next? Testimony. What do I do next? What is the next? Just testimony. He just kept speaking the same thing. It says that, it says that God, Jesus said that I, I'm going to go and I'm, God is going to give you a helper, the Holy Spirit. And he's going to bring everything and he's going to remind you. And what that means is that He's going to keep preaching the same message that Jesus has been preaching to you. Come follow me. Trust me. Only believe. Trust in me. Let's just bow our heads in prayer. If I have the worship team coming up. God, we thank you. We thank you, God, that we can come boldly. That we can pray dangerous prayers where things don't seem like things are possible. But we know that your spirit is within us. We know that it's your spirit that is joined with ours. And you, even when we don't know what to pray, your word says that you plead for us. Your word, you, you plead for us. And you pray for us. Jesus, I just give you this time. God, I ask you that we would all have the boldness to come to you. That you remind us that, we, that you are compassionate, that you're kind, that you are gentle. And that you want us to come talk to you about the thing that we've been just, this week, we've just been running from. God is compassionate, He's loving, and He's kind. And He loves you. The right option, I remember, the right option is always to run to God, run to Him. God, I just thank you and thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray.